A, uh, a little girl was asked in the Sunday school class um, by her teacher, what is today? Easter, she said confidently. Well, what happened on Easter? The little girl replied, Jesus came out of the tomb. And if he sees a shadow, he goes back in for seven weeks. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. She had a little mixed up there. Harry Houdini was an escape artist, a magician. And they tried all kinds of ways to keep Harry Houdini locked up. They uh, put him in a coffin and buried him, and he escaped. They sewed him in a canvas bag and threw him in the river, and he escaped. His biographer said he could escape from anything except your memory. Yet, there came a day when Harry Houdini died and he could not escape. This was no time for trickery. You see, he could not escape the ironclad clutch of death. But I want to tell you about another who died. And his name was Jesus. However, he made the great escape from death. Jesus came out of the grave. He arose. Praise God, Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You see, our God is alive. And He is ever-present in time of trouble. And that's the God we have. Well, good morning and a hearty welcome. It's good to be here. And I want to greet you in that precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I had kind of a rough day yesterday. Not a day I... I feel kind of hot, a little weak. Um, it was just hard bringing all this together. I felt God wanting me to share the story of Jesus. However, every part of Christ's life, the birth, and then his ministry, then his death, his resurrection, his ascension, there's a message for each one. And, and the story is not just found in one book. 
You go through the four books. And then also Acts. And I was just fried last night. And uh, however, it was good for me. Is reading the account, then I go and read the account, then read the account, and each one had just a little different twist to it. And uh, I'm going to share it now before I guess I get started. I was online and researched scourging. And I just became sick of what they really do. I mean, they lose, I forget now how many milliliters of blood they lose. But they become so weak and faint, they throw up. And just, it's just before the point of death is where they stop. It was good for me just to realize again what Christ really did for me and for you. And it brought to life some of the scripture that I might even use today. And see, we'll start with the birth and we all know the Christmas story and it's, that's one thing that I think we've done well in children. There's, Christmas is always an exciting time. But the story doesn't stop there. And how could we make Good Friday and Easter exciting where the children, oh, they're looking forward to it. Because that's really what it came for. And uh, however, that's not how we have it. Let's take a deep look at what really happened. You see, uh, in the beginning, Jesus was already there in creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the light, and the light, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Sorry. Got my mix all talked up. <clears throat> he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I wanted to bring this out that the word is talking about Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And he was born of a virgin. You know, today, in today's term, maybe I could say that when the angel appeared unto Mary, she would have been engaged. Maybe that's how we would have it. They weren't together yet. 
so you understand why she would have questioned. Um, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Something that I have never seen before. I don't know why. And maybe you might think, well, that's duh. But I did not see it before. But you can see the Trinity right here. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and the power of the highest, God the Father. It's God the Father being the power of the highest and God the Holy Spirit creating God the Son. There's your Trinity. I never saw that before. So why, and we're going to be moving pretty rapidly through these. um, So why did Jesus come? When John the Baptist saw him, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Can you imagine the condition we'd be in if Jesus wouldn't have come? So now, I guess we'll continue to the next portion of history and how did he take away the sin of the world. You see, and Keith shared a little on this, throughout the Old Testament, blood was required to cover sin. There was not a remission of sin, it was covered. However, The precious blood of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, does not cover our sin. He takes it away. Where we can have the clear conscience. That's why the latter is so much better than the first. You see, Isaiah prophesied approximately 700 years from what I could find before Jesus was born concerning him. So let's turn to Isaiah 53. I just think it's neat looking in the prophecy and we're on this side of the prophecy where how could it be so clear to Isaiah that he could write it 700 years before it really happened. So starting in verse 1, Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, he wasn't handsome. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. 
He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Our, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. None of us are better than each other. We all have gone astray. And if we don't believe that, it's time we do believe it. We are as corrupt as any corrupt sinner before we have Jesus Christ. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. That's one thing that amazed me as I was reading through it. How he could just remain silent. Just nothing. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his, his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, crucified between the thieves, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's our Jesus. Luke also record where Jesus, I wonder what went through Christ's mind when uh, he read this in the synagogue. It comes from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say that to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus knew it was talking about himself. Jesus sets us free from the sin. He clears our conscience. Then in him, we are a new creation. Like Christ has risen in a glorified body. You know, part of this, uh, it was so much that it would be fun to share. It's, it's neat. And then you would want to just be there when you're 
engrossed in the story when you're following. It's um, the disciples are together and just all of a sudden Jesus is there. And then they're, oh, they're scared because they think it's a spirit. And he said, no, look, this is, this is a flesh and bone. He's not a spirit. And like that, the power that has risen him, that is the newness in life that we now live in. We are a new creature. If any man is in Christ, he is a new cre creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, moving on. As time drew closer to his captivity, Jesus knew what was about to happen. Then just before the Passover, Jesus was in Bethany. And there, Simon the leper, where uh, Martha was cooking up the meal and Mary was there just serving Jesus and uh, however, what happened there, Jesus said, Mary chose the good part. And uh, you see, some, some of the writers share it was a woman. And I'll forget which one it was, said that it was Mary that poured that precious ointment or oil on Christ. With Jesus knowing what was coming, that's why he blessed her and said that she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. When I read that, I thought, so many times, I, I haven't brought this in, in this, but she, this was so important for Jesus that it won't be taken from her. And wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial. So now we go on to the scene to the Last Supper. And uh, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. In fact, I had thought it was after this that Judas had went and um, the mob gave money but it was before this where Judas already had the 30 pieces of silver. However, Jesus knowing all this chose to eat with him, supped with him. I'm not too sure. I couldn't quite find and for sure and for certain if he had part of the Passover but he was there with the supper. And after they had supped, then he broke the bread. I'm sorry. I, as I was sitting there, it was just, oh boy. That's one thing I didn't get straight. 
And so sorry, but you can, that'll give you an opportunity to go home and search, seek. Did he break bread with Judas? I was thinking he did, but. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you. It was, because I was thinking that he did break bread with him. So uh, thank you for that. Now can you imagine also how Judas would have felt coming? You know, we would want to say, what a hypocrite. But then I have to think of myself. There were times that I was a Judas and I broke bread with brothers. What a hypocrite I was. What a shame. Then when we think of this story again, Jesus also takes that sin away. I am forgiven. And Judas, if he would have received it, I believe could have received forgiveness. And you see, when the... uh, When Judas came with this mob to arrest him, arrest Jesus, there was a sign that he was going to go and kiss him. So when he went up and kissed Jesus, Jesus called him friend. Knowing exactly what's going to happen here, that but yet he called Judas friend. Do we see the deep, deep love of Jesus? Full of grace and mercy. But when Christ is in me, so full and free, Is that who I am? Am I Christ-like? Do I love my enemy? Now let's follow him to the garden where he was praying. And he was withdrawn from them after a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So what was in this cup that he did not want to be a part of. He did not want to take that cup. What was in that cup? I believe 
It was full of the sin of this world. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. No wonder his sweat became like drops of blood. I'm glad that he suffered or that he was such in agony that he did not want to take this cup. That tells me he had feelings like you and me. I think sometimes we separate ourselves so much from Jesus, we don't really think he really experienced what we experience. But Scripture says he has, yet without sin. He was tempted like us, yet without sin. After this is when Judas came, betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and they laid hands on him, led him away into the high priest's home. So we enter into the sad story of how they treated our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For the children... I'm going to do a little something to show a little bit what happened. Okay, this happened. This would be the head of Jesus. Okay, then uh, this happened in Pilate's house. The mob was there. So they blindfolded him and they were mocking him. And then they've hit him with the palm of the hand. You know, prophesy, who hit you? Prophesy, who hit you? Can you imagine the bruises he had already before he even got to Pilate? Because he was at the uh, high priest's house. was that same Pilate's house, regardless. Anyway, this happened at the high priest's house when the mob was there. Then, the next morning, they took him to the... Uh, Pilate, and all this stuff was going on. I'm, I'm not going to share all that. However, in hopes, Pilate thought, well, he'll scourge him. So they went and they start whacking and whacking, and it just pops the skin, and the blood vessels pop. And they just lose blood. And they, they, they go on and on, and they keep going, that his back was just an open flesh. So then they bring him out into the hallway there, and they put this purple robe on him, and then uh, put a... crown of thorns on him and then give him a reed and then they you know kneel hail king of the Jews and then then they take the reed from his hand and they start hitting on these thorns on his head after he was so weak from his scourging no wonder 
he couldn't carry his cross. I hope this can make sense. At least, you know, help the children understand. That was our Jesus. He loved us so much. Don't turn your backs toward him. Don't walk away. Can we see that deep, deep love of Jesus enduring that? But it didn't stop there. Now they're on the way. Maybe I should better watch so I can get my points too here. So, now they lead him out. Now they're heading to the uh, Golgotha. And to crucify him. They nail his hands and then his feet. And remember, his back is just open, sore. And that's back against the cross. So whenever he wants to relieve the hands, he has to push on his feet. And the excruciating pain that's in his feet because of that nail, he's pushing on the nail. So to relieve the feet, now it's in the hands. There's no comfort there whatsoever for six hours. But in the meantime, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I guess yesterday it just tore in my heart. Why can't I live more surrendered? Because look at what he's done. I haven't even closely went through anything like that. Why is it so hard for me to lay down my will? The Lamb of God died on the same day as the Passover lambs were being slain. Keith has shared that. And Jesus did not die as a martyr. He was not a helpless man. Know you not that I could have called over 12 legions of angels and he could have easily escaped. but he laid down his life for us. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. And the cross was not an accident or an afterthought. It was in the heart and mind of God at creation. Jesus was born in the shadow of the cross. You see, all this sounds sad, and it is sad, but remember, 
I'm still on Friday, but Sunday's coming. So on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead and he has defeated death for us. Hallelujah. All pain is gone. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's keep on keeping on. It's worth it. It is worth it. What would have happened if Christ would have stopped? Because of the risen Savior, we can live above the sting of sin. It's Jesus. So in order for us to experience that life, we must also die and be raised a new creature. We have great reasons to celebrate today being Easter. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I guess to complete the story, after 40 days, Jesus ascended to heaven. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of the sight, out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will also will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. As I was engrossed in the story again, it was just, man, if I would have been there, and I would have been so rejoicing that Jesus is with me again. Now, there he's gone again. The letdown, the lostness, the, I don't know, I can't really put in words how I felt thinking or imagining how it might have been for them. Just the despair, there he's gone again. Just vanished. But what a day that will be when we'll see him again coming as he went. And I trust we're anticipating that day. We should be excited about that day when we see Jesus face to face. Not because I'm so good, but it's because of what he's done for me that I can be his. Because of Jesus, I have the right to now be a child of God. I am a joint heir. I can enjoy in the spoils. And with that, you know, the thought of man, how would you have felt? However, with that was a blessing that he did go so that the Holy Spirit could come and be available for all men. Had he stayed, 
he may not be here. He might be in Israel. And we'd have to fly over there to see him. But with him gone, with him ascending, where he could send God the Holy Spirit, he's everywhere. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And then the other blessing, that uh, comfort for me, that Jesus is in heaven, the right hand of God. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He's interceding for us. So in closing, I trust this has given us reason to appreciate what Jesus Christ has done and that we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord. He left the splendor of heaven for a season to reconcile us to the Father. So as we partake in the emblems, let's remember the complete package that we have in Jesus. And it took every part of it. May I, I'm going to pray, and I might play that communion hymn again and just soak in the words and hopefully it'll be clear. I told uh, Kyle that if it gets too fuzzy, just shut it off and we'll not worry about it. But um, let's take to heart the words because it kind of builds up and then it's so we share um, in the bread and in the cup. So let's, um, up we'll pray and then just kind of a transition time of uh, preparing for the emblems. Let's pray. Our kind Heavenly Father, we are just in awe again of you, of who you are and what you've done for us. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. Thank you, Father, for your deep, deep love for us, your grace and your mercy, and that you don't give up on us. And that you are a loving Father who also chastens us to draw us to you. Or you bless us to draw us to repentance. So Father, thank you for your goodness, your kindness. Lord, you are, have been and are so good to us. Forgive us where we failed. And just enable us, Father, by your grace 
to live according to your will and in your ways. May we follow you. And Father, may each heart be acceptable in your sight as we partake in the emblems that no one would, would partake in an unworthy manner. To you be all honor and glory forever. In Jesus' precious name, amen.